Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Jim Garrity on vacation this week. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, is with us. He's also the co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glob podcast, and host of the Martini Shot. We start with Jon Stewart in the Good Martini today. Uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, which has been... Just basically a political show ever since he took over for uh, David Letterman, and certainly since uh, the Trump era uh, came upon us. Uh, he had uh, he was back in studio finally, not on Zoom or whatever they were using to do the show remotely, and he had his good friend John Stewart on, who of course gave him his big break on the Daily Show a number of years ago, and so Stewart came on and they talked about a number of things and. Stewart uh, was uh, set up pretty well here by Colbert, uh, talking about science. And uh, Stewart uh, says, "Well, we yeah, we should thank the science, especially since science probably caused the pandemic, which led to an epic rant on his part, which he became famous for on the Daily Show years ago. Uh, it went for about three minutes, but here's a, a couple of clips to give you the flavor if you haven't already seen or heard it. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude." to science. Science has in many ways helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. What do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, so this was, perhaps was, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh I, my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. And he said he had another example as, as well. And then he uh, brought it closer to home, Rob, uh, with uh, a chocolatey example. What about Wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory maybe that's it so rob uh you know occam's razor as they say is pretty sharp but in this situation uh john stewart uh not only uh made it pretty obvious what we've been looking at here for the last year even though a lot of people didn't want to see it but he delivered in a very memorable way absolutely and i would encourage listeners to go and find this clip because the funniest part of it obviously john stewart's very funny is the squirming awkward absolutely just uncomfortable cringe that Stephen Colbert is in when Jon Stewart is actually speaking logical truth and making sense because he knows he knows that he he, and he even tries it. He he says something like, um, so you're working for Senator Johnson now as a joke, because of course you must be a conspiracy theorist if you believe this incredibly logical, incredibly rational, most likely uh, explanation for the coronavirus pandemic. And what, what's amazing to me, of course, is that all of this is going to happen. I mean, in a year, Jon Stewart was one of the reasons why he's so good. Jon Stewart will come back and do a, a similar rant, I imagine, about hydroxy, 
uh, chloroquine and ivermectin, both of which have shown been actually effective in, in some applications with the coronavirus, and both of which were completely, completely, um, absolutely rejected utterly. And we know why. We know why it's going to be very hard for uh, Stephen Colbert and his ilk to um, – actually understand what happened in the coronavirus, what the coronavirus is and how it could be treated and cured, because this is the most humiliating event in their lives. Government failed. Private sector, big pharma succeeded. I mean, my God, this I mean, I I just I've just written this recently. um, But, you know, uh, the coronavirus, the coronavirus epidemic was solved exactly the way that Milton Friedman and and um, and and free market economists would have predicted, uh, arrange the financial incentives correctly, reduce the regulatory burden, stand back and let innovation come up with a vaccine in 10 months. So, I mean, this is the, what we're, that, that clip is so great because it just shows the problem that the the humorless left is going to have and also shows the, the kind of the liberation that something like John Stewart must feel because he. He can go on TV now. He doesn't have to like. He doesn't have to do a TV show all the time. He can just go whenever he wants, and he can speak the truth. I mean, John Stewart is a more valuable American now that he's not parroting the left wing talking points as he had to on the Daily Show and as Stephen Colbert has to every night. But there's two quick follow ups here. First of all, John Stewart's just really good at what he does, even when he was doing the liberal perspective yeah, on a lot of true. things on The Daily Show, you still kind of wanted to watch because his craft was was really good. His logic didn't necessarily uh, tie up, but uh, it, was, it was still very entertaining. And honestly, I can't tell you one viral moment from The Daily Show since he left. And he left around <laughs> yeah. the time Trump announced he was running in 2015. So, I mean, uh, there's, there's clearly an ability here that I know you perhaps more than others appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I do. I mean, I really think he's very good. I, I and I, as much as I like him, I would have to say that that the 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 four years of president under President Trump did nobody on the left any favors or any service. I I I like to think that John Stewart would have avoided this kind of crazy, um, yeah, yeah, you know, what is it, opposite day kind of attitude that the left has. But um, I, I'm not sure that's true. I think that the, I think that the the, the the casualties of 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 the Donald Trump administration, aside in, in, in addition to being the Republican Party, in my view, is also so the liberal media and their incredible inability to sort of like to, to, the reason that John Stewart was funny in that rant um, is because it was so obvious he's making his the, the essence of that joke is how could you be so dumb as to think it was something else and. Um, and which is what a lot of people have been saying for, for years. And, and, and it isn't so much that people like John, like uh, Stephen Colbert and The New York Times were saying, well, that's a possibility, but we don't know. What they were saying is that is a racist thing to say. And you should not be allowed to say it. And that, I think, is the, what, what the ultimate reckoning will have to be. Not that we were wrong about the origin of the coronavirus or that we missed the obvious, but that we, 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 we declared the obvious answer, which probably is going to be the answer as off limits and that i think should <laughs> that sh- should cover people like stephen colbert and the editors of the new york times and the entire sort of liberal media um, contraption absolute shame and humiliation which they won't feel so um <laughs> you know <laughs> the second part of this is that they're not going to feel it and they're not going to change but at least we know we've scored one win
Boy, Rob, uh, when it comes to China, the WHO, uh, the compliant left in the media and in politics, we have certainly been uh, dealt a load of something uh, that's usually associated with bulls when it comes to the explanation for the launch of the coronavirus. But the good news is, Rob, that uh, when it comes to what your cat leaves behind, things are much simpler and there's an excellent option for that. That's where the Kitty Poo Club takes in. Kitty Poo Club takes care of the more unpleasant parts of cat ownership. So you can get back to the fun parts of loving your furry friend. Kitty Poo Club is a convenient all-in-one monthly litter box solution. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes are leak-proof, eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. When the month is up, just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you so there's no changing used litter and no more cleaning the box. You can also customize your order based on how many cats you have. You can choose from four different litter types. Kitty Poo Club has a no-risk satisfaction guarantee, and you can easily customize and cancel anytime. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order, plus a free dome, free scoop, and free shipping. When you set up by AutoShip by going to kittypooclub.com slash martini. Just go to kittypooclub.com slash martini to get 20% off your first order, plus a free dome, scoop, and free shipping when you set up AutoShip. That's kittypooclub.com slash martini. All right, Rob, on to our bad martini Uh now, and we go back to China. Even more China. They've been the good martini today, the bad martini today, yesterday's bad martini. They're getting a lot of attention from us this week. This is from the Free Beacon, and it kind of shows uh, the strange bedfellows that international politics provides, and it's China and the Biden administration. China's biggest law firm is partnering with a top Democratic lobbying practice, which has sent at least 11 alumni to senior positions in the Biden administration. Albright Stonebridge Group. Yep. Madeleine Albright founded that group, an advisory agency with deep ties to the Biden administration's foreign policy team, announced it will partner with multinational law firm Dentons, which operates the largest legal firm in China, to build a new joint venture in international commerce called Dentons Global Advisors. Denton's Global Advisors will focus on commercial diplomacy and government relations worldwide, but likely will capitalize on its founder's foothold within the Biden administration. And so uh, before joining the administration, the U.N. ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield led the firm's uh, shop in Africa, while Vice President Kamala Harris's national security advisor Philip Gordon worked as a senior advisor for the organization. Controversial State Department appointees Victoria Newland and Wendy Sherman also worked for Albright Stonebridge during the Trump administration. And so, Rob, we often see this circular rotation depending on which party's yeah. in power in the administration. Uh, so that's not all that surprising to see. But given how cozy uh, this firm is uh, with China and the questions that already persist about how tough Biden will be on China, it's got to raise a few eyebrows. I mean, it certainly raises mine. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> basically, whenever you hear a, a firm called something Global Advisors, you know that they're up to no good. That is the name every uh, you know, movie names the evil organization. Something that's a so-and-so global advisors is probably doing something that they don't want you to know about. <laughs> this one, uh, strangely, has a kind of a great pedigree. It was founded by Madeleine Albright, who was the Secretary of State and very well respected. But it does show the problem, the, 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 the too clever attitude that we have as Americans with dealing with China, where I, I, you know, all those people think, well, listen, you, you rubes reading about Wuhan virus, you rubes reading about intellectual property theft, you, you're going to have this crude reaction 
to uh, our diplomatic efforts with China. What we need is, uh, uh, is Denton's global advisors to kind of soothe that. And so they put those people in government and those people in certainly the Democratic Party and parts of the Republican Party prefer that. Um, what happens is that bad stuff happens and then these guys get uh, completely, completely hoodwinked by their smarter counterparts in China. Um, and so I, I, what will probably happen here is that, that as the Biden policy emerges, China, I mean, we don't know what, what, what Biden's China policy is. He hasn't really enumerated it. But as it becomes more into focus, what we'll realize is it is designed first not to offend the Chinese. And um, that, I think, in 2021, after the year we've had and after probably uh, the year we're going to have and after um, China, China's military uh, exercises and their, their incredibly threatening attitudes in Hong Kong and in Taiwan, um, that is a bad policy. It seems to me a better policy is to robustly defend and support our allies in the region, rejoin Trans-Pacific Partnership, and send the message to Beijing that um, we're serious and you can talk and all you can hire all the global advisors you want, but it's not going to change America's policy. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think the Democratic Party is is at this point is capable of doing that. No, that's exactly right. And when you've done all that private business with the Chinese, even if you're not consciously looking to cater to them. Like you said, you're certainly trying not to offend them. And you, uh, after all that business, probably don't see China as the adversary that they actually are. I mean, that's blatantly obvious at this point, too, on a number of levels. And so you're not going to be as confrontational as you need to be either. And that's uh, maybe not quite as bad as uh, completely pandering to them, but it doesn't uh, take the position that needs to be taken right now. Yeah, and look, it's complicated. I mean, it really is complicated. They're not the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was sort of an incredibly isolated um, uh, force, militarily and economically especially. We're incredibly enmeshed with China, and they're enmeshed with us. Our attitude for China is always, well, we can't make them upset because they have all the leverage. But that isn't exactly true. Um, it certainly isn't true in terms of economic, the, the economies, our competing economies now. Um, and without a plan and without a, without a firm belief that America needs to show leadership in the Pacific and probably as a counterweight to China's um, uh, mischievous kind of, I don't think they're trying to enlarge their state, but they're certainly trying to increase their um, authority ar around the region. Um, we need to have a clear policy, and we and we <laughs> and that policy begins by sending the message to the Chinese that they that, that American foreign policy cannot be purchased, which um, isn't clear at this point. Um, uh, but that that would be the that be job one, I think, for any president. Prove to your uh, most most aggressive strategic competitor that you are not for sale. Um, and I guarantee you in Beijing, they think that we are for sale. Yeah, I mean, I'm not optimistic about pretty much any Biden administration policies, but I'm uh, probably among the least optimistic about their approach to China. But uh, like you said, we need firm leadership. But we need soft pillows, Rob, and uh, my pillows exactly nice. work. We can uh, uh, help you out in that department. I have been using the my pillow for many, many years now. Love it. Uh, whenever I use a pillow that's not from my pillow, I can tell the difference, and it's not as good. Definitely supportive for the head and the neck. Uh, my whole family's using it now, and now you can refresh the pillows of every room in your home because the premium my pillow is at its lowest price ever. For a limited time, you can get a queen size premium my pillow for only twenty nine ninety eight. King pillows are only five bucks more, and these are premium pillows. They never go flat. 
give you the best night's sleep every night, and they are made right here in the United States. 60-day money-back guarantee, one-year limited warranty. That's pretty great for a pillow. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium MyPillow today for just $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Rob, on to our crazy martini now. And these are from the uh, wonderful pages of National Review Online. Ryan Mills with the story. But we go to Wellesley, Massachusetts. Leaders of a Massachusetts public school system are encouraging students and staff to file complaints against one another for telling rude jokes, referring to the China virus, and committing microaggressions or other quote-unquote incidents of bias, according to newly uncovered documents from the district's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. The documents were released by Parents Defending Education, a nonprofit that fights against indoctrination in American classrooms and activist-driven agendas in schools. The documents include Wellesley Public Schools' policy on, quote, responding to incidents of bias or discrimination, and slides from a staff equity protocols training course. All of these are words that just make you want to roll your eyes. Courts have found that policies like Wellesley's can have a chilling effect on speech. No kidding. Um, A decision last year from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said a similar reporting policy at the University of Texas represents the clenched fist in the velvet glove of student speech regulation. The Wellesley policy states that discrimination based on ancestry, race, color, gender identity, sexual orientation, Religion, national origin, disability, or any other state or federally protected category is not tolerated. An incident of bias is defined as any biased conduct, speech, or expression that has an impact but may not involve criminal action, but demonstrates conscious or unconscious bias that targets individuals or groups that are part of a federally protected class. Students are encouraged, Rob, encouraged to report incidents (laughs) of discrimination or any concerning pattern of biased behavior to any district staff member or a trusted adult. Uh, The reports can even be made anonymously, and you can be punished, including suspensions and detention. But overall, the goal is to change behavior. So students ratting on each other. I'm sure they'd never make anything up against someone they don't like, Rob. (laughs) And ultimately, this has a uh, French Revolution Robespierre feel to it, where everybody's just going to be ratting each other out. And the uh, whatever passes for the guillotine now will be uh, pretty much hitting everyone. Yeah. And also, you know, whatever happened to snitches get stitches. That's what I want to know. Yeah, look, it is probably exactly like what happened in the in the in the terror um, in uh, in the French Revolution, which didn't last very long and ended up killing. They ended up killing each other. And then right afterwards, they got an emperor and then they got a king. So uh, they went right back to uh, they went right back to sort of an aristocracy for the next, I don't know, 60, 70, 80, almost 100 years. Um, what, what, what I find so bizarre about this is this is the, is the actual list Um uh, ancestry, race, color, gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, national origin, disability, or any other state or federally protected category. They've just described every single joke ever told in the history of jokes. There, if you can't talk about that stuff and make fun of it, um, then it's over. You can't, there's no conversation, there's no humor. That is by the depth. I mean, I am a 56 year old man and I am a comedy writer. Um, I can tell you that um, if I couldn't make jokes about any of those things, I would be broke. 
guy would be living in a box. Uh, there's just no other way to do it. But what I think is so funny about this is that you know that kids are rolling their eyes. You know, every except for like a few of them are taking this very seriously, a few of the narcs. But everyone else is rolling their eyes. This is going to be if, if, if I if, if they're anything like the kids when I was in school, they're going to take this and run with it. Uh, and it's going to be this Donnybrook for the school system. I mean, luckily, I think it's been pulled back. But the idea is, how can you flood the system? I would be, you know, a, a, a 10, 10 uh, mischievous trolling 10th graders, which, by the way, defines almost every 10th grader, can make this thing into the disaster it's supposed to be. Um, and I encourage them to do so. Uh, there's nothing more fun when you're a kid than making fun of idiotic adult uh, regulations and rules, and I say, have at it. And this is just a, a whole different thing from from my generation. I'm guessing yours too. I grew up in a fairly small town, but there were uh, distinct, you know, European ethnicities that that came to town, and there were good natured jokes. We were all friends, but you'd still make the jokes, and uh, nobody oh had God. any hard feelings by the end of the day. It's just kind of how you rolled. I just cannot. I mean, I cannot imagine making a joke in which you weren't at least partially backing up into somebody's ethnicity or national origin. I mean, there, I mean, obviously, look, there's there are jokes and there there are cruel taunts and there's bullying and there's a big difference and everybody knows that's not a subtle difference. You already know the difference. Um, well, what's surprising to me is the idea that there there's there's anything left after you've enumerated all those categories, off limit categories, that there's anything left to talk about. I mean, of course there isn't. They just sit there glumly, silently. And by the way, when you uh, when you enumerate all of those issues, what are you going to read in English class? There aren't any books anymore because all the books are about the interesting stuff, and that and that the list that they list the off limit list is all the interesting stuff. Um, so <laughs> I'm not quite sure. It's going to be very. I mean, look, it's probably a, it'll be a, a, a if it was if it could ever be enacted, it'd be a very quiet, very quiet school. And everyone will be doing very, very uh, lots of physics homework and lots of chemistry because there, there's no nothing funny about that. These are kids. These are going to be kids, and kids are 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 not only just cruel, but they're funny, and they're they do not they do not take to this stuff. And they're uh, all, all the school system has done is set itself up for more craziness and more um, mocking. I mean, there's one um, one that I, I just love that they they were they described they quoted in the article they quoted. Um, one of the slides uh, and the training slides that were included for possible equity violations. And one of them includes this. Henry is a math department head. At the school's holiday party, he had fun telling jokes about Protestants, Catholic Jews, and Muslims to other staff. So you can't do that. Adam is, the high school cap- is in the high school cafeteria and jokingly turns to a friend and says, I can say N-word because my friend Bernice gave me a pass. Um, that's pretty granular conversational monitoring uh, examples of microaggression include saying my principal is so crazy that's it i mean <laughs> yeah right you can't call the you can't call the principal crazy so imagine so i guess you probably can't call the principal what i call the principal in school and then also another microaggression which i really enjoy which goes back to uh, our, our new hero john stewart you can't say "Ooh, you got the china virus They'll probably have to change that when the when the investigation comes in. I guess so. I guess nobody's going to talk in school anymore. I think that's where this is headed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But of course, it's so doomed. That's what I find so bizarre about yes. all of these left wing progressive uh, uh, initiatives. They're doomed from the start, and they and, and and the only outcome they're going to have is to make is to create more and more and more rebellious 
students who reject and roll their eyes and cynically mock their um, liberal progressive adults in their lives. I really hope you're right about the vast majority of them thinking this is complete nonsense. I hope that's the case. I just don't know if they've been so indoctrinated already to this point that they just accept it now. I really, really, well, really hope you're right. I would say I would say the only uh, just so have just so we can comfort our listeners, comfort yourself with this, which may, you may not be persuasive, but it's always persuaded me. The, the generation that grew up watching the sanitized post-war movies and television of the 1950s, they ended up riding in the streets in 1968 and being crazy hippies. The generation that grew up uh, listening to, to be rock music in the 60s and the and 70s and sort of the, the, the and, and experience the sort of the d- decay of American middle class values ended up growing up and voting for Reagan. So sometimes you get the opposite effect. Yeah. Well, I really hope you're right. I really, really, really do. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so, Rob, good to end on the optimistic side of this lunacy. I will talk to you tomorrow. Excellent. Rob Long is a contributing editor at National Review Online. He is also the co-host of the Glop Podcast, co-founder of Ricochet, host of the Martini Shot. Jim Garrity, of course, on vacation all week. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch Podcast if you don't already. Go ahead and tell your friends about us as well. Super grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Find all of us on Twitter. You know, at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. He's at RCBL. And please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. There's always something crazy going on in the news, and we're here to help break it all down for you. Air travel is up as more Americans are getting vaccinated and back to a normal life. Jeff Spacos is going to space and taking his brother. And voter ID laws are still being disputed. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.